Everyone and welcome to the Malthouse Games podcast, episode number one hundred and thirty-four. This, as you can tell by my uh, lovely headwear here, uh, it's not moving much because my headphones are holding it down. Uh, this is our Christmas episode. This episode will be out on Christmas Day. Christmas Day. So, if you celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas. If you do not, Happy Holidays or at least Happy Winter. It's getting freaking cold. The end happy, of this week. Happy solstice. Happy solstice. Because today is the shortest day of the year or longest night of the year. When does Hanukkah end? Uh, later this week. So happy Hanukkah. It's either later this week or early next week, right? It's later this week, I believe. Later this week. Well, there you go. So yes, happy all the good holidays, happy seasons, happy all that good stuff. Seasons, uh, greetings, and seasoned greetings, too. Yeah, Don't forget the garlic powder. Sure. <laughs> well, I don't know what is that about. Uh, so we are the Malthouse Games podcast. We are all about board games, tabletop games, card games, role playing games, dice games, things of that sort, as well as beer. As well as beer. Let's start with the Festivus because I got some grievances to air. So the first beer for this episode, this late Wednesday night after wrestling episode, uh, this is from Anthem Brewing Co. And this is Festivus, as in oh yeah, here we go, a holiday a- holiday ale for the rest of us. Festivus for the rest of us is from Seinfeld. Yes, it is December 23rd, if I am remembering correctly. I think that's correct. And Mr. Costanza, George's dad, uh, said it's a Festivus for the rest of us. You make your Festivus full and you air your grievances for the year on December 23rd. This says, we know how thirsty one can get observing Festivus traditions, like the airing of grievances and the feats of strength. So we made this beer to combat the problem. Silky and creamy with notes of molasses and holiday spices. The uh, result was a Festivus miracle. It is delicious. So, Delton, do you want to air your grievance first, or would you like me to? Uh, You air your grievance, because I don't know that I really have a grievance. I have a grievance. When do you not? Just kidding. Don't hurt me. Well, good thing is December 23rd (laughs) is coming up, so you get to hear them all day. But my grievance for the purpose of this podcast is they do not make dog sweaters that are for dogs who are size long-large, with medium, and height small, a.k.a. Margie, because she is long-large, with medium and height small, do not make them for little hot doggies. They really don't. I always feel like we buy too small of a sweater. It's either too small or too large because, for example, we got her a little sweater that has Velcro that um, goes around her belly. And around her chest is perfect. Around her belly, it's just about perfect. But it only goes about two-thirds across the length of her body. Yes, she's just a little long for it. So a little it long happens, dog. Though. Thank you. Yes. That's my grievance. Delton, give me a grievance. Um, I don't have enough time in the day to play video games. <laughs> <laughs> That's my grievance. Is we're freaking busy right now. It's life, it's work, everything's coming together and happening, and I want to play video games. It's the holidays. It's the holidays, that's for sure. And why do you want to play video games, Delty? I think we should wait and get to that in the question. Okay, to be continued. We'll get to that in the question, so stay tuned. Hopefully our audience loves to be titillated. I hope so. Titillation during the holidays. Let's do it. Titillation celebration. This is the first beer of the evening, the Festivus. As you can tell, is a very, very dark brown. Let's in a hint of light around the sides. You can see a little reflection through it, or a little image through it. Possibly just reflection on the glass, can't tell, but... Um, I can see you. You can kind of get a little light, but not really. But it's very dark. 
it smells very sweet. Mm. It smells very, like they said, Christmas spice, molassesy. I get a lot of the molasses in there. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of not quite maple syrup, but like a, I guess it is like a molasses syrup is what it tastes like. Like a molasses syrup. It's very sweet, very mm-hmm. rich. Got a little bit of that like bitterness to the sweet. You have to have bitter for Festivus. Yes. Mm. Mm. It's got a nice smooth mouthfeel. Carbonation's just right. It's not too dry. It's not too, uh, it doesn't make you like salivate too much. But it makes it's just you satisfied. It's a great beer, though, and it's, I, I didn't say this, this is 9% alcohol by volume, uh, so it's got quite the kick to it, which is perfect for the holidays when you're dealing with family. <laughs> Yay, productive coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, there are no problems with that at all. Nope. Delson found this out when we had some friends over, and he had two of these on an empty stomach, and he was like, mm, I'm about to take a nap <laughs> before dinner starts. I need some food, please, because this beer's a lot. Luckily, Jen Wenling did not disappoint with her food that evening. She did not, as usual. She had a delicious dinner for us. Uh, brought it all over. We just had to heat it up and eat, and it was just fantastic. Yeah, she made a uh, spicy pineapple tempeh, a mixed mushroom stir-fry, and a cabbage dish as well. Oh, uh, well, it was sweet and sour seitan. Sweet and sour seitan. With pineapple. It was delicious, whatever it was. It was very, very good. Yeah, it was absolutely phenomenal. We got to do that. Uh, shoot, what else have we done since last episode's recording? We've done a lot. So we did that. We had Jim, Wynn, and Cody over for board games and beer. Yes. Had an enjoyable evening. The next day, my sister and my niece came up, and we took them around holiday shopping. We got some good pizza. Went and did the drive through Christmas lights at the zoo, which was really fun. And the walk-through lights at the zoo. And the walk-through lights at the zoo. Which we was, did it all. We did it all, my friends. And then the next day, we just kind of chillaxed, and the rest of the week, we kind of rested because last Wednesday, I got my guts ripped out. She did. Haley had what is scientifically or maybe medically called a bilateral salpingectomy. Yes. Which is a laparoscopic surgery. So basically, they make a little incision on the right of the lower stomach, a little incision on the left, one in the belly button, puff a bunch of air in, stick in some camera and some tools, and then they remove the fallopian tubes. Yes, so I was a balloon animal. She was a balloon animal. I didn't get all the balloon animal, like, around the house like I wanted to, but it's fine. I did not float away. You didn't float away, sadly. But if anyone has any questions about the procedure, hit me up, man. DM me on Twitter. Again, I'm S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-L-Y-G-E-E-K. I am more than happy to share anything about my experience. Also, if you are thinking about getting the procedure, know it is 100% covered by the Affordable Care Act because it is a preventative measure. Therefore, you should not have to pay anything out of pocket. You don't have to worry about your deductible. None of that BS. And if they try to charge you for it, say, hey, isn't this covered by the ACA? Because that happened to both my friend and I who've had this done in the last month. Uh, the hospitals didn't code it right, and so they tried to charge us like $5,000 to get it done. And that should not be the case. But hit me up. I'm happy to share my story and uh, any tips for resting and relaxation, relaxating. And props to Delty because he took care of all the cooking, all the cleaning, all the pet care, all the cuddling, and all that fun stuff over the last week. So thank you, Delty, for taking good care of me. Well, I do what I got to do as a spouse that, that wants to make sure you're doing okay. That was the best. He, he's a gold star. Like I came out of within an hour of surgery, I had tacos in my hand. So I, I was I'm yes. a lucky broad. You had tacos in your hand as I was clocked into the work computer and running back and forth between the kitchen and the computer to be like, make tacos, check my email, make tacos, check my email. Tacos in one hand, hydrocodone in another. 
Yep. It was a great day to be alive, my that friend. That was you for a few days. That was me for a few days. But so yes. Delta took good care of me. But again, I am happy to share my story. But that's all I've been doing for the last week. This is actually my first night to have an alcoholic beverage for about nine days, ten days, something like that. Uh, Like last it's, Sunday. It's pretty much about, I guess so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's my first time to have an alcoholic beverage since then. And I've just been laying on the couch, watching TV, editing videos for work, and trying to get the cats not step on my open wounds. Yeah, that's basically what she's been up to. I've just been working, playing video games, watching TV. Uh, I'm trying to think. We, yeah, watching movies, watching TV, that kind of stuff. So nothing super crazy, but I feel like that's where we are. It's a good life. It is. It's getting very cold out tonight. I think tomorrow the high is like eight. Eight. The no, high is the, eight. I think it's. I think no. it's up now. I think they upped it to twelve. When I checked about an hour ago during wrestling, it was eight. Well, what I saw during wrestling was the low was of eight, but the wind chill is like negative 20, maybe. It's a lie. It's very cold. We made kitty condos on the back porch in case we have any stragglers. Not our cats, but like neighborhood cats. And uh, we have our pipes dripping because we do not want to fork out another $3,000 to pay for some burst pipes. And we're just ready to rock and roll. As of right now, I'm showing a high of 15, low of four tomorrow. Oh, wow. Both numbers are different than we've heard. But both numbers are cold. Yes, very much so. Uh, that's ridiculous, and they're estimating the wind chill to be winds northwest north northwest at twenty five to thirty five miles an hour could gust occasionally over forty, and they were estimating the wind chill I think to be like negative twenty potentially. So it's going to be freaking cold. It's getting cold everywhere. Uh, so that's what we're looking forward to right now before the holidays. Yes, we're also looking forward to playing some games with our family this weekend. Oh, here's the door. It's straight ahead. It's it's a game. Lead me up to it. I have a Segway license, baby, if you know what I mean. Your Segway license carried us here into the game section of this episode. Now that we have a beer in hand and a game booklet in hand officially, we're doing it. We're doing it live, Cotton. So the game for this episode is one that Haley learned by playing against Jennifer in Portland. Uh, whenever we were at Gen Con. And taught Delton flawlessly with no mistakes made during my teach at BGG Con. No, she definitely made mistakes that we have since fixed right. <laughs> in the rules. I will point out the main one that we missed, which is fine. It happens. But uh, I will definitely point it out. So the game for this episode is Land versus Sea. I felt like I was holding that weird. It was like... <laughs> is Land versus Sea. Land... Oh, God. Versus Sea... <laughs> Uh, is published by Good Games Publishing. It is designed by Jean-Paul Jacques. Uh, the game development was Kim Braybach. Art is Jean-Paul Jacques. Graphic design is Jean-Paul Jacques and Ben Nelson. So uh, this is a pretty simple game. It's pretty straightforward. and <laughs> Except whenever I'm teaching it. Except for when Haley's teaching it. And it's also fantastic. So Land vs. Sea is a two, I guess you could do three players. It's a two to four player game. I would recommend it at two the most or at four because you can play in teams. I feel like three might be a little wonky. A little bit. But essentially in land versus sea, one of you plays as land and one of you plays as sea. You are going to be grabbing these hexagonal tiles and the hex tiles have different things on them, a different uh, makeup of land or sea in different ways. Uh, And the main thing you have to consider is there's six sides on a hexagon And on this tile, so many of those sides will be water or sea, and so many of those sides will be land. And basically, the goal of the game is to have the most points when it's over. When you place a tile, 
it will expand the land and sea on the board, essentially make building this map with this tile placement. And any time that somebody encloses or I guess finishes off a section of sea or a section of land, then whoever is playing as land or sea gets to score the points for that section. Basically completing an entire island or enclosing a whole lake. Yes, essentially that's how it's going to work. And sometimes you can enclose or finish multiple things at a time. Now, the rule that Haley missed, the rule that Haley missed, on these tiles, there are these little white like X's or plus signs, right? And these little white X's or plus signs are called, do, 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 I don't see it. They're uh, also brown on the um, land side. They're white on the seaside and brown on the land side. I think they're like, yeah, white and brown or white and black, close enough. Uh, but essentially, they are these little like bonus points. So if you had uh, six tiles comprising the C section that gets closed off, you're going to get one point per tile. So that's six points. Awesome. If your tiles have any of these little plus sign crosses, that is going to be worth an extra point to whoever closed off and finished the section. And that's where we had the rule wrong, which kind of changes things because you can purposely cut off your opponent's section by sealing it up, making it something that they can no longer expand. And if you do so... You're going to give them points, but if there's those little plus sign cross bonus points in there, you're also going to get points for that. And that's actually a very big thing to, in this game for like cutting your opponent off and trying to get into that. Now, the game has super simple rules in the way you would expect. Water must connect to water if it's on the edge of the hex. Land must connect to land, no exception. Uh, you're going to be placing those down, gaining points. Whoever seals it gets those bonus points. And then the special tile, which is the whirlpool or volcano, is any time if you can have a perfect space where the only thing that can fit in the center is either all six sides as land or all six sides as sea, whoever does that first is going to get this special volcano or whirlpool and be able to place it in that, which is not only got uh, it's not only got five bonus points on there, but you're most likely having a big area that it's being part of that you can score points for. I'm always equally surprised by how difficult it is to make that little whirlpool or make that uh, little quicksand area and how easy it is, too. I always feel like it's easy for the other team because I always forget, oh, yeah, that's a thing. And so Delton's always able to make his little whirlpool. And I'm like, oh, snap, I forgot completely about that. As the as the play area expands as you're placing tiles, it's one of those games that it's easy to be distracted because you're focused on one area, and no matter what your opponent's doing, you're like, just don't touch that spot, just don't touch that spot, just don't touch that spot. And you're going to lose sight of what they're doing and miss out sometimes on points. Uh, I do like that the game is a play one, draw one, but you always have two in hand. And they're two two-sided. They are two two-sided, so it's like having four in hand, and you'll pick which one to play and then draw a new tile, which means when you draw it, you can see what's on the back, so you can kind of know what you're getting. I really like that. It really... Uh, it makes the decision-making space a little bit larger for such a simple game. Now, that's pretty much the whole game, right? That's nice and simple, nice and easy. You have two-player, which I prefer. You also have three-player, which plays just... It's a third player, and I'm not sure if it's like part of a team for one or how exactly that goes. We've played two, we've played four-player. Yes. The four-player is exactly what you would think. It is uh, two teams of two, and... Okay. Two teams of two... And essentially, you sit across from your opponent, and so it's going to be your teammate, the opponent's, 
or it's going to be you, opponent, teammate, opponent, you, opponent, teammate, opponent, over and over again. And you guys will just work together. There are uh, some waypoint markers you can use in that to kind of signify, hey, I'm working on this. You should finish this or help me with it. Uh, that can also be worth bonus points. And I think that brings me to the big thing about this game. So the game is super simple. The box isn't very big. It's probably patchwork, but a little thicker. It's a chunky patchwork. It's it's if, if, if patchwork gained a few patches. What's wrong with you, Delt? What? Look at the back of the box. Did the you lid's do upside that? down. I did not. You took the you, you took the rules out. I know, but I didn't turn it, you son of a bitch. I did not do that. Well, anyway, I have to open it anyway. I think uh, I, I think he's the wrong Delton. That's like a signal that he's been kidnapped. I think it was Brian because we played it with Brian and Jessica last. No, it's a signal. Delton's been kidnapped. This is a fake Delton. Wow, 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 wow. It's invasion this is a of doppelganger. The, this is invasion of the body snatchers. I'm going to do the thing. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, so the box is just a little bit bigger than Patchwork in terms of thickness, but the size around, it's about the same. It's that small box card game or small box game size here. But it's so, T-H-I-C-C. Yes, it's T-H-I-C-C thick. So the best thing about this game is not only is it super simple and it's super easy to play, you get it to the table, you start playing. Two-player games, the best. Four-player games, still pretty good. Three-player game is a lot more complex, and this is why. The game has different things that you can include if you want to make the play more complex, more strategic, and have just more going on. And that, I think, is like the real beauty of this game, aside from just being a fun, simple, quick-to-play game is you can make it as complicated as it allows, which is quite a bit more. So not only are you placing these tiles and you know connecting land to land and sea to sea and like closing these sections off and getting points, but they also have a couple other things. They have waypoint markers, which are essentially an extra score token. You can place a waypoint marker on something after you've placed a tile, I believe, I'll have to look, or before. Um, you can place a waypoint marker on a spot that you're trying to finish. If you finish it, or if your opponent finishes it, or surrounds it with tiles, it comes off, and whoever either finishes the zone that it's in, or surrounds it completely, they're going to get to return it to its owner for a point. So that immediately gives them a way they can be like, well, if I just play this here, that's going to return it, giving me a point, and also doing whatever, right? Making their landmass smaller, making their sea smaller. Uh, not necessarily, I guess it could be smaller, just cutting them off. Yeah, cutting yeah. them off. And so that's always a really cool thing. Then it also has a couple other special like scoring styles that change up the game. So one of them that we played with is Mountain and Coral. And essentially, if you look at the artwork on these tiles, uh, the artwork on the tiles is not only awesome. Like they have the little guys. What was it? Like little guys riding snails and the snails faces were like old men. Yeah, I love it. It's, it's, it's what I'm trying rabbits. to. They were rabbits, right? They're riding rabbits. Snails. Riding snails that had old men faces, like old men faces with beards and stuff. And that is the energy I'm manifesting in 2023. Forget a word of the year. I am using a token of the year. There you go. That works out. Uh, yes, but this is mountains and coral. And what it is is on the artwork of these tiles, you have some mountains and some coral, which you'll see depicted on there if you look up pictures of this game. What the mountain and coral scoring does is as you're placing tiles, if you're the land player and your opponent places a tile and it has land with mountain touching land with mountain, you will get one point per mountain section on a tile that touches in that chain. So there were times when we were playing, I think I was C, and I had coral connected and I was like, all right, I place a coral here. That's four points. Next tile, place a coral here. That's five points. 
and you can just start chaining that in. Uh, I really liked the way that that worked because it was scoring immediately instead of when you enclose something or return something to your opponent. And I also liked that it gave your opponent a reason to interfere because most of this game is going to be pretty solitaire until those specific moments where they're like, oh, I see what you're doing. Not anymore, you won't. And I usually don't like messing with your opponents. In a game like this, like in terms of being messed with, I'll do it obviously if I have to for, to win. But mm-hmm. in, a game like, in a game like this, when you're working really hard to do something or you're like working on this big piece, you're so close to getting it, and then you lose it because somebody messed with it, that really sucks and it doesn't feel great. However, with the mountain and coral, it makes your opponent want to focus a little bit on what you're doing and where you're placing that they want to interfere and you want to interfere with theirs. So it encourages that interaction a little bit more to where the interaction feels more normalized instead of out of place. Does that make sense? It stops you in the moment rather than at the end of something you've been building. Yeah. So for example, uh, with the with the mountains and the coral. So if I have multiple uh, tiles in a row with coral, that's gonna be more points if it closes off. And so Delton might want to, you know, play uh, a tile that breaks up the coral, or you know, he might want to mess with my board. He'll say I'm getting really close to closing up my seed and making an enclosed lake. And I just lack one more side. He might play a tile that opens it up to three more sides. Now I have like three more tiles at least I have to place in order to close it. And so there's lots of ways that you can mess with your opponent if you wanted to. And you kind of have to at some point because you want to watch your opponent to make sure they're not, you know, creating a situation to play the six point whirlpool. You want to make sure that, you know, they aren't uh, getting a lot of points with their C because, for example, if you're getting near the end of the game and you haven't closed your C, you haven't closed in your island, you don't get points for that if it's not closed by the end of the game. So you can really wreck shop with your opponent near the end. Exactly, and uh, th- that's why I think I like the mountain and the coral because you don't get points for mountain and coral when you enclose. It's only as you place. So it encourages that interaction earlier so you don't hit a spot where you're like, I've almost finished it! And all of a sudden, you no longer can finish this massive section you spent all game working on, which means you've now lost all this effort. It's like, I've been playing this coral. You're interrupting my coral. Okay, you stopped me from getting four points. I can still go for this and get my 25. You're looking at me as you do that because I tend to shoot for the stars yes. and make a Pangea with my islands or make the Atlantic Ocean. And, you know uh, about Pangea? You know about Pangea? So yeah, that's I typically try to do that and ends up uh, I either win or I lose miserably. But I'm gonna go out with all my might. Yes, I do have to say I like this game for two reasons. One, it was the only game I won at Gen Con at Nick and Jennifer's, and two, it is the one game I have defeated Isaac Vega in. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it is near and dear to my heart, my friends. That's funny. Uh, so aside from the waypoint markers. Aside from the standard scoring, aside from the bonus points and all that, there are is also caravans and ship scoring. Now, we have not played with this. You can mix and match any of this that you want to, and in the three-player game, it recommends putting everything in, and I'm not exactly sure how the three-player game differs. There's actually special rules here. But in caravan and ship scoring, on the same tiles that this whole game uses, there are some of them that have a caravan. It's, uh, I'm looking at the picture here. It's basically some camels and one of them has like a little sheet over it or something on its back where it's like a covered wagon kind of shape. And it's got these three dots. And then some are ships that have sails and the sails have the same three dots. And essentially the way this works is at the end of the game, 
You're wanting uh, adjacent tiles with caravans and or ships to make a chain to make a trade route. And if there are more caravans than ships uh, for each trade route, the land scores one point per caravan or ship. If there are more ships, then C scores it. And so it's making you try to fight for having the most of your caravan or your ships in this chain of tiles, basically representing this massive trade route or multiple trade routes. And it's a really interesting idea because it's like, oh, my opponent's going to close this off. But if I can play, let them close it. But if I can play in one more caravan over here while they close their C section, that's going to give me majority of caravans in this massive trade route. Then I'm going to get one point for everyone in this. And let's say you've got a huge one going, that's 12 points. And they're only going to earn 10 for what they're in closing. So it's like immediately can be worth a lot of points. Uh, at the end of the game, it can immediately be like uh, known to you that that's worth a lot of points. But I love that it has all these ways of scoring, all these ways of playing the game, and you can mix and match those. And I know it's not like a ton, but it's enough to take a simple tile placement game uh, of building sections, basically the best part of Carcassonne, and turning it into the best part of Carcassonne still with bonuses to make it more interesting or harder or less hard if you want depending on how you change it around and teach it and everything like that. And I think that really speaks to the game that it is so simple. And we have played it multiple times. Like we've played it multiple times with us too. We've played it only once or twice with four, but yep. you know, Delt and I have played it multiple times, uh, multiple times with other people too. And we have replayed and replayed and replayed. It has not gotten stale. We've played it multiple times just in the last like two months. And we still have uh, other components we can throw in. It hasn't even gotten stale yet, and there are parts of the game that we have not unlocked and played. Exactly. We have not done the ships and caravans yet, and we, I don't think, have really done waypoints aside from that four-player game. And I'm still content with just the base game. The base game yes. is good enough to me because it doesn't take a lot of time uh, that it's just it's been a great game. It really has. And I think it'd be a great game to bring to the holidays, too. Hey, what can I get you? I'd like a topic. Any special way? Make it a top shelf topic. Coming up. Enjoy. So the topic for today, uh, this is a topic I feel like we revisit every year, and I think that that's a good thing for us to revisit because it is constantly relevant, at least for us, which is what games you bring to the holidays. And it's one of those things where we want to update this, right? We want to continuously be changing our recommendations because... If we constantly say, ah, oh, you know what we want to bring to the holidays? Number nine. And the next year we talk about taking number nine. All these new games came out. Let's stick with number nine. And there are games like number nine that are always going to be great. They're always going to be hits for us. Our families always request number nine. Yeah, always. Like stuff like that, right? There's always going to be those games. But it's nice to, to freshen it up, to spice it up, to have those new games that are newer to you releases that or I, mean, I guess not even releases newer to you or new releases that you want to bring and showcase and you're excited about and so we decided that we wanted to do that as the topic today is new games for christmas in 2022 and new year's because we know this comes out on christmas and probably a little too late for your holiday planning so exactly and for new years and for new years but these are uh fyi these are new to us new to me games these are games we played for the first time this year yeah, aside, I think so. aside from one that we got to play, no, that was this year too. Yeah, yep. These are all new to us this year. Yes, and we feel like, so for the the purpose of this topic, we are going to go in order 
of easiest to teach to most difficult to teach. Yes. And so, but uh, kind of thrown in the loop there is land versus sea. No, that's a simple game. You can explain the base rules in like five minutes or so. It's uh, it's really easy to see. It's easy to play. And so that is one that we would definitely put on the list. But our uh, long list today, let's start with the easiest game, Delty. What is the easiest game on our list to teach? So the easiest game on our list to teach is an abstract game that I backed on Kickstarter. You can go to the website to buy it. It's like you eight can, bucks. You can also take a piece of paper and a pencil and some coins and play this game, which uh, it is a game called Bag Chal, B-A-G-H-C-H-A-L. I am going to, real quick, pull it up because it's one of those that I want to do justice for its origin because I know myself and I'll be like, oh, it's this game, duh. I believe it is a Nepalese game. I believe so. Yes, it originated in Nepal and it says the game is asymmetric and it's true because one player controls four tigers. tigers. The other player gets to control however many goats in your version of the game. And I think our version has 15, 18? I think 15. I think it's 15. Uh, The other player has however many goats. The board is basically a square where you've drawn diagonals all across the board. And so it breaks it up into these little paths. And essentially the game's simple. One player plays the tigers. And the tigers can move one space at a time. Or they can jump a uh, a goat to eat or capture the goat. The goat player has to place a goat down until they're placed every goat. Then they can move them. Their goal is to trap the tiger by making it where the tigers cannot move, which essentially means if the tiger wants to jump over the goat to the north, you put one more goat past it. It can only jump one goat at a time. It no longer can jump that direction. And so the tigers win if they eat four sheep. The sheep win if none of the tigers can move anymore. I think it's five sheep for our version. Five sheep, okay. But I think it depends. It probably changes depending on everything. At least the backside of ours is different, but it's less goats as well. But there is a company that I backed this on Kickstarter from, and I'm trying to get that information, but essentially their idea was this is a game that is, you know, a cultural game that's been around in Nepal for a long time. There are versions of it all across that part of the world, and they wanted to keep it alive because it's just not as popular with the younger generations today. And so their idea was, hey, we're going to just try to publish a version of this to help get it out there. It was a pay what you want, and you could literally pay anything you wanted to. I think I gave them 10 bucks, uh, which I think they sell it for $8 on their website, something like that. But it's from Limery Games, and it's, yes, Bagchal. Um, I can't think of what the full campaign was called. But it's really neat. It's worth looking up. I think it's a very fun game. It comes in a little bag. You can literally put it in your pocket. It's got these little bits and pieces to it. It's a good fanny pack game. Yes, it was a really, really cool uh, game to back. And they're doing another campaign for a game called uh, Katmandu in quarter one, 2023. And so I'm excited to see what they do because finding these cultural games and doing that is just really interesting. But for the podcast, we're going to move forward because I can sit and talk about how cool I think that idea is. (laughs) So the second game is one I got from Haley. It's from Alley Cat Games out of the UK. It is Catstronauts. Now, Catstronauts, you spelled it Castronauts, which is hilarious. <laughs> Castration Knots. Hey, I, I got kicked out of the spelling bee for the word balloon, so don't trust my spelling. That's why God invented spell check. I think I got kicked out for Illuminate, and apparently that wasn't even the word. So <laughs> oh, no. 
Yeah, I asked, I was like, what is the word? And she said it. And I was like, I still don't know what you're saying. Is it illuminate? She's like, no. And I was like, okay, what are you saying? She kept trying to pronounce it properly and it like made it harder. Was it aluminium? No, it was not aluminium. aluminium. <laughs> Hate that. Uh, so yes, catstronauts. Catstronauts is super simple. You literally throw four cards on the table. They're different planets. You flip a card over, another one, and uh, that one tells you the order of the planets. You have four catstronauts in your hand. You have to look in your hand, find the number, and put them all on their correct planet to claim the card that tells you which planet order to go in, like your little mission card. And it's just a rapid, everyone's going as fast as they can. If you succeed and you placed all of your cats first and they're all in the correct spaces, then you get a kitten you get a rescue that you also hold in your hand. And that way it makes it a little bit more difficult to navigate digging in your hand to get all these pieces out. It is definitely an information processing game. Yeah. And so if you are playing inebriated, you are going to be at a disadvantage if you do not if you don't have the ability to think clearly. Uh, that could put the kids at an advantage. That's true. And so it's it's a processing game and also dexterity game as well because like Delta said, you have to hold on to your your little critters and you also have to be the first one to grab the card once you realize which one is the right one. There was also a rule in the rule book. It said that if for any reason you can't hold them in your hand, you can put them on the table in front of you. That is no problem at all. And I liked that it did that because you never know whether your hands are just too small, anybody with any kind of disabilities or just trouble holding things for kids with tiny hands. It's a way for them to say, put it in front of you. You can look at it there and then you can go from there. So that was a cool little like, obviously you could always do that. But the fact they put it in the rule book, I thought was a neat inclusion. Plus cats. But it's super, super fun and super simple. Plus it comes with a whole bunch of cat astronauts. They get to put cats faces on. Yes, there are stickers. stickers. It's adorable. It's adorable. Uh, Next in line, I feel like it's a big jump. And now obviously bag chal, I think it's simpler to teach than cat astronauts. However, I think the minute you learn cat astronauts, bag chal is harder to play. Yes. At least to play well. And again, this is more like teaching. It's more how easily can you teach your family? Can you teach this within like two minutes versus five minutes versus 25 minutes versus three hours? Right. We the people. The next one. Yeah. The next one that I have on the list is Formula D. Now, Formula D has been around for a long time. I recently got it. It's way up high on the bookshelf. If if you're watching the video version of this, it's over Haley's head up above Sekigahara here where there's Sekigahara. It's up above there. On top, and probably where it should never be, but that's where it is. Yes, Haley, thank you for I help. It's basically yes. I'm very uh, helpful. Anyway, Formula D is a racing game. You are rolling dice to move. You have gears. Gear number one is a four sided die, and the four sided die goes between I think two and four movement. And then if you go to the second gear, it's a six sided die, and the six sided die can go between like three and five move, or I guess it would be four. Uh, it's like four to you know, seven movement, something like that. And they're all changed in the terms of the numbers and the values of those dice. And it's just at its base, it's a very simple racing game. You literally roll the dice, explain that you have to make sure your car stops. So you have to slow down for corners. Uh, In the corners, your car has to stop on your turn at least so many times, however many the corner dictates. And you just go and you can boom, have a super simple race, ignore damage, ignore any kind of like bad stuff that can happen to your car Ignore having to make pit stops. Like, if you don't worry about all the complicated rules, you're right into the game playing super simple. Very fun. I guess you have to have some rules or else you could just not finish a corner correctly. But anyway, you could do super simple rules. Very easy. It's a fun racing game, especially, I think, if you have more people. The next one on the list is one that I played early this year. 
Tyler found. We talked about this at BGG in the Bazaar and was like, hey, look, they have this. And I was like, I'm buying it immediately, which is Ghosts of Christmas, uh, which is being sold from board game tables. Uh, they're the ones who sell it, boardgametables.com. This is also another one of those games where I either aim really too high or aim really too low. And either way, I'm not going to win this game. This is a trick-taking game, which we talked about. Trick-taking is confusing. And you have to bet on yourself. You have to make a bet, essentially. You have to say, okay, I'm, I'm betting, I'm wagering that I will win this many tricks in the course of this hand. No more, no less. No more, no less, unless you have the little, like, I might win one or two more. I think you only have one. One, and then your I points might, are cut in half. Yeah, I might win one more, but if I even if I win that one more or if I don't, my points are cut in half at that point. And it is Ghosts of Christmas, so it's about Christmas. It's about past, present, and future, or past, present, f- present, future, beyond, uh, which is like the more advanced version. But essentially, you're playing three hands of cards at the same time. You have one hand, but you're playing, I guess, three tricks all at the same time in past, present, and future, the suit of which is being set by the first person to play in that past, present, or future area. But may change depending on who is the last person to win one of the Yes, hands. it's fascinating because if, let's say, you're the start player, so you're going to be determining uh, whatever card you play in the past column. You say, let's say you put a yellow there. Boom, yellow is going to be the suit for that column. Then once, uh, let's say you played yellow there, and then let's say uh, the next column was a blue one. I'm saying column. I should specify this. Uh, The game does not have you set up any kind of column, but if you take everybody's play spaces and make a column in the middle of the board, it's easier to follow the game, and it makes it a lot simpler to actually like functionally play. A lot more concise. A lot more concise, a lot easier to visualize. But essentially, if the first trick was if you played a yellow and that's the suit, and the second trick, somebody played a green, so that was a suit, but you had no green, so you had to play anything else. And let's say you had no green, so you played a, a blue. Then on your turn, it goes to yellow. If you win that yellow suit, it's going to then follow the card that you played in the next column rather than what initially was the starting suit, which then makes your played card, in, that, in my example case here, a blue, it makes that blue card the suit that needs to win rather than the green that everyone else played, which means you now won that column as well. So you can actually be really smart and game this game a lot, but it can also backfire on you if you're holding too many red cards, which are the Trump suit. Phenomenal game. I honestly absolutely love it. It's something that I want to play. It is a little bit longer game for trick-taking. I think it's about 45 minutes because you play a full round, a full hand per player. Which you can always cut that into thirds, like only play, or fourths, I mean. Only playing one round if you'd like to. Plus, it's also on brand for Christmas. It is. Fantastic game. Kind of complicated to teach, but once everyone's played it, it makes sense. Next, we've got On Tour. I actually might reverse these in teaching order. But anyway, On Tour's a rolling right. Um, I've got... Brian gave me this one. I think I need to pay him for it. I forget. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know where we are with our finances, me and Brian. We're, we, we do that all the time. I think you both owe each other like $700. So we're even. Okay. We're even. So on tour is it's a rolling right. You roll some dice. You have to write a number in a certain region based on the cards that are out, and you're essentially making a, a tour for a band, and it's all based on value. And you want to follow a path, either ascending or descending across the board, preferably hitting certain cities based on the cards played. It's not yes. too complicated. The longest, so you're as you're making your route, you want to go in ascending or descending order. And the longest route you have with uh, ascending order 
the person with the longest route wins, right? Person with the most points. Yes. You will have the longest, you'll have your, your longest route is what you count. Yes. Every city you pass through is worth a point, and then there are certain cities that you get to circle, because like, let's say there's a card out, let's say the dice roll, and it's a three and a six, which means you have to put a 36 and a 63 on the board. Uh, you have to put both, and let's say the cards that are out, one of them says uh, the eastern region, and it has New York. If you put one of those numbers in New York per that card, you get to circle New York, that counts as an extra point. Yes, that's exactly what I said. Basically, that's it. Yes. Very good roll and write. I'm very good at explaining rules. It's a fantastic game. We really, really enjoy it. This is it. why I teach all the games and explain all the games every episode. Yes. I'm great at it. Uh, we have also thrown on this list, and by we, I mean Haley, yeah. and, which I agree with. Uh, she also put Marvel United, and I talk, we talked about Marvel United X-Men. Great game. Uh, but it's one that, it's a cooperative game that has this interesting way in which you play cards and how your cards uh, actually give you extra actions based on what the last card played by a player was. But it's cooperative. You can adjust the difficulty by which uh, person you choose, which villain you choose to play against, and you can add and take away a lot of players. It plays up to four or five people. Uh, but it's really fun. It's not too complicated, but it has enough with the rules going on that one person needs to know the rules really well, and everyone else needs to at least understand how to read the board, see what's happening, know where to move, and things like that. But being cooperative, you can help. So I think it's really good. It's the one that we got extremely cheaply off Amazon, and the expansions are all coming out everywhere. Like, I keep seeing the expansions that weren't supposed to be out to retail hitting retail. So one of these days, I'll buy the Colossus one, the gold team. Uh, the next one on our list, second to last here, we've got Verdant which is the new release from Flat Out. Which we reviewed on episode 142. 131. Oh, it says one. Oh, I'm looking at the wrong column. Wait, no. 142. No, no, no. That is line. Oh, geez. That's row 142 on my Excel sheet. We, we reviewed it, is, it in the future. It is episode 131. today is 134. Here's the thing. I have a giant Excel sheet for all of my shit for the podcast. I should just like be quiet this episode. <laughs> yes, yes, you should. Well, well here's the thing. I so hard, but you don't succeed. Here's the thing. What it is, is do you see how deception is in yellow mm -hmm. for podcast? Yeah. Those are ideas. Deception is, I think this would be good for the podcast. So it takes up space in terms of the actual number of rows, but under episode, that's the actual episode in that column. So it's like whenever Michael Scott has his coded cards and it says, it's green for go ahead and don't talk about it. Yeah. It's basically what you have in front of me. I got a lot of green on that screen right yeah, there. Yeah, so go ahead and don't talk about episode yes. 145 because it doesn't exist. Yes, I've got green, which means we've done it. Yellow, which means I would like to do on the podcast. Orange, which means we did a video of it. Or we did a video and a podcast, depending. And then I have red, which is never mind, ignore this, I hate it. So go ahead and stop not talking about it. <laughs> yeah, yes. Verdant, we talked about, yes, like Haley said on episode 131, ignore her previous comment. Verdant is a puzzle game where you're placing rooms and you're placing plants and you're matching light sources and growing the plants and using fertilizer and trowels and sprinklers and things like that. And putting a cat and a lamp in a room. And putting a cat in a room, a lamp in a room, a fish in a room, and a hairdryer in the fishbowl. It's basically that. <laughs> Just kidding. I wanted to see what Haley would do, and she almost choked on her uh, beer. He almost killed your spice. Spice? Yes. There you go. Uh, very good puzzle game. I, I think it is one that for people that are not gamer people, uh, which means a lot of family for us. I think it's going to be a slightly awkward teach to kind of get them used to how it functions. 
because it's not something that people like that would be used to. And obviously this is a lot of games, but. This would be one that I would bring over to my sister's house. We've mm -hmm. been slowly converting my sister to be a gamer because she was not a board gamer for a long time. She was not a fan of games that weren't Nico. And then we slowly started to convert her with things like patchwork. We worked her up to Sagrada. We worked her up to Ticket to Ride. This would be like that next step. Like, okay, Riley, we've convinced you to play games. You're actually starting to kick our butt in a lot of these. It's time to play some Verdant. Yeah, I like that. Verdant's really, really good. Of course, all the flat out stuff is. Uh, the last one on our list here, which is one of the newest games that I bought for Haley for her birthday, is going to be Isle of Cats. Isle of Cats is one at some point I think we'll do an episode on uh, because of how much I like Isle of Cats. Isle of Cats looks like a lot. There is a lot going on, and I think it will be a tough teach for some people, um, at least for some family members, but it's got card drafting, card play, like polyomino, tile laying. It's got interesting you know, little decisions like that. It just has a little bit of all the stuff that I like and it does a great job at it, and I do think it's going to be a tougher teach in a lot of ways than uh, even something like Verdant or you know Marvel United. But also, these rankings aren't exact. No, but they're scientifically speaking if accurate. You, if you think they're wrong, that's fine. You're I don't, wrong. I don't really if care. If you think you're they're wrong, you're wrong. Yeah, I don't really care. It's, I do. It's just something we try to put together. Me and Haley I will internalize it and move stuff around. I'll take it as a personal vendetta. I'm going to turn your microphone off <laughs> if you don't stop. Uh, to prove you it, wrong. It doesn't matter, but hopefully this list is something interesting for you. These are all new to us games, whether they came out this year or whether they're a couple years old or very old like Formula D. Uh, it was really just trying to find games that we think this would be nice for family that you know isn't necessarily the hottest game in every case, but they're ones that we think would fit well and be fun and enjoyable and not the hardest teach in pretty much all the cases I think the teach would still be okay. We also wanted to present some ones that were more affordable too. Because like Bog Chaw is only $8. Yes. You know, some of those older games uh, you can buy used for fairly cheap. I mean, I bought, uh, if you buy Ghost of Christmas brand new, it's 20 bucks, And yeah. I bought it used for like 7 yeah. And so you can. You I haggled down to 7 you did. I said, offer them five. If they don't take it, I don't care. We're buying it. <laughs> and that's where we're at. But yes, there's a lot of games like that. Uh, and that's, that's, I think, a big thing with going to family is it doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be dirt cheap. It's really whatever you want to do, what you're comfortable with. And doesn't have to be the fits. hot game either. Exactly. So this is our list that we think is really good and games that you know we're going to consider taking on to Christmas this year. To be continued. Before we continue or before we continue to being continued, I say we do the next beer real quick before the question, because we're almost done with the episode. And, and I don't, I don't, or do we not? Might as well. Speaking of that awkward segue, what is the name of this beer, Delty? This is from, <laughs> this is from Vanessa House Brewing Co. This is Awkward Encounter of the Festival Kind. This is a dark lager at 5.1% alcohol by volume. It says there is nothing quite like beer festival season, and of all the festivals, Oktoberfest is a must-attend. We're a little late with this one, but it's fine. It was the best I could find. The pretzel necklaces, the great German beers, those awkward encounters with that polka-dancing tipsy aunt who happens to work with your best friend, they all make for the best stories. After all, what happens at Oktoberfest stays at Oktoberfest. SMH. Yes. There you go. So this is the Vanessa House. I was trying to find festival beers, and by that I mean like, festive Christmassy beers or holiday beers. 
And we also didn't want everything to be 9.7% alcohol by volume. It's not really that. It's more that we have already tried on the podcast everything that was in the store. <laughs> we need new seasonals. And this is something we had not had. And we do love Vanessa House. How we how we reviewed any Vanessa House? Yes. Because when I typed in Vanessa House, it immediately brought up something that it was matching in my, my beer column. But I can't tell you which one it was. We really like Vanessa House Brewing Co. Because when you go in, it's, it's, it's like... What? Toys. Toys. It's like a... Uh, Nickelodeon Studios is a brewery because it's all like the 90s Nickelodeon uh, paint and colors. Uh, there's a bunch of toys. Like there's a lot of toys and action figures that are actually the uh, handles on the uh, on the kegs. And there's also a Nintendo 64 on a rollaway TV that you can play Mario Kart on. They had a Nintendo 64 and an, a Nintendo Entertainment System, NES, with oh, yeah. like Duck Hunt and stuff. And some people were playing it and I was like, well, that's awesome. You can just sit on the couch and play video games. It's nice. Yes. So this beer, as we said, Ooh. it's a dark lager, Oktoberfesty style. Uh, just like the last one, it's dark, lets a little bit of light in, but this one has less haze to it. I cannot see you through this. No. It mm. smells a little bit sweet, but very malty. It smells like crackers. Honestly, that is not a bad descriptor of this. Mm. It's pretty clean. It's not that it... The, uh, there's a very flat, not in carbonation, but in flavor up front. When you're having Chex Mix. Yeah. Those little rye crackers, it tastes like the rye crackers and Chex Mix, but without the Chex Mix taste. Like like whenever you're like seven and you lick all the Chex Mix flavoring off and your mom's like, okay, you can't just lick all the flavoring off. You have to actually have to eat all the pieces. And you're like, well, I don't like the rye pieces. She's like, well, you already licked all the flavoring off and I would have eaten it if you hadn't licked all the flavoring off. So you have to eat it and you eat that rye cracker. That's what this tastes like. But now that I'm adult, it actually tastes good. Here's the thing. The rye crackers are like the best part of Gardetto's. Yes, because you're over the age of 18 now. But whenever you're like seven years old, yeah, they, they, like they dirt. suck. And they're too hard and they mm-hmm. hurt your little baby teeth because you still have like seven baby teeth left. Flavor profile wise, this is flat up front. It like comes in super flat, nice carbonation to it. Now, so it's not carbonation flat, but like flavor wise, it comes in like unpronounced. It's not sharp. It's not dull. It's not rounded, but it's not, you know what I mean? Like it's this weird, like clean and then it expands, but it's like, it's like a bitter biscuit expansion is kind of the way I want to put it. It's those rye crackers. Have a rye cracker after you've licked all the Chex Mix seasoning off and you have this beer but then add 5.5% alcohol. It's not bad. I don't think it's as good as the Festivus, given it's a very different style of beer. But Festivus is also one of our festival favorites every year. That's true. Uh, but this is really good. I mean, this is this is a little bit warmer. This really is in October where the sun's still out and it's like 70. That's where this fits in the best, where Festivus is definitely more for wintertime. But yes. this is still really good. I like this beer. This is one I'd be uh, I'd be happy to drink again. Clink, clink. Clink, clink, clink. Oh my God, clink, clink, (laughs) clink, clink again on a good beer. Jesus Christ. Okay, now let's move on to the question. And now, join us for a Malt House Games podcast special bite-sized question. So the question of this episode, before we wrap up here to get out of this room so I can go to bed, uh, the question today is how long did it take until you spoiled the first Christmas gift of this year? (laughs) <laughs> Haley. So, I have purchased Delton three Christmas gifts. One of them have arrived. One of them just now made it across the ocean after 21 days. I ordered back in November, and it's not here yet. So I guess longer than that. 22, 23, 29,000 days. The other one, 
I did not even hit the submit my order button before I spilled the beans. She spilled the beans real big. What'd you get, Delty? Haley got me a PlayStation 5. I did. That I've been wanting for her since it came out two years ago. Two years ago, these consoles came out. It was like two weeks ago, Delty saying like, oh yeah, I'd like this PS5. And I'm thinking in my head. Because they were in, they I don't know if they still are, but they were in stock in like a very large quantity for a minute. And in my Haley brain, I'm like, oh my gosh, for my birthday in November, Delty completely spoiled me. He got me a new record player, new speakers, like a new bass speaker, a new record player table thing. He like went all out. It was dope. And I was like, I need to spoil him. I have to one-up him on Christmas because Delton always wins Christmas. Always. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be sneaky. And I sat over <laughs> on the chair that I never sit in away from Delton, not facing him, which I never do, trying to hide my phone, trying to hide my smile, sneak off to the bathroom, put in my credit card. And then I sit down on the couch and I look over at Delton. And I'm like, and he's like, what? Why are you looking like that? I'm like, I'm busted. And I said, you want PS5? And he goes, what are you talking about? I don't need a PS5. I said, can I get you a PS5? He goes, I'm not going to say no. And so <laughs> I hit, then hit submit and order him his PS5. I already gave it to him. He's already finished Stray on it and is working on Ratchet and Clank. And so, yep, I, uh, I d- could not even wait until I hit submit on the order before I spilled the beans. And that's how you know I could never have an affair because like we were watching White Lotus while I... Um, I was recovering from COVID and like the second season, spoiler alert, there's a lot of affairs and like infidelity that go on. And uh, I'm just like, Delton, you know, that I could never have an affair, like not one that lasts for more than two seconds because I can't even keep your Christmas gift from you. I cannot hold a secret from Delton. Yes. So it's been awesome. I've been wanting a PS5 since they came out two years ago. Um, I've always, uh, for the longest time, I've been an Xbox person. But the problem was PlayStation has the exclusives that I care about. Xbox has Halo. Halo's fun. Uh, Gears of War, I stopped caring after the third game. Like, things like that. But then PlayStation's got the God of War franchise and Ghosts of Tsushima. And Stray is PlayStation and PC. Ratchet and Clank is the big one. I'm playing Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart right right now. And so, yes, Haley got me the PS5. It's all set up. It's been great to play. The controller's ridiculously awesome with the, the tension and the triggers. But that's that's been spoiled for a minute, for like sure. Two weeks ago tonight, and then Delton yeah. got it last Tuesday. Sunday. No, it was Sunday. Two Sundays ago. It was two Sundays ago, because it, it was supposed to come in on a Wednesday, and then it actually said Tuesday, and then it showed up on Sunday. So everybody won. Everybody won, including me. Mostly me. Uh, yeah, so yeah, you spoiled that right off the bat. What about you, Delty Poo? This year, I didn't spoil Christmas gifts until yesterday. Yeah, you did pretty good. I was impressed. That's the 20th, so only five days out from Christmas. That's pretty good. Yeah, I'm impressed. I'm usually way worse than that. Yes, usually I've already had all my Christmas presents by now, except for that one time you got me the guitar. That guitar was the Santa Santa special. That was. I'll never forget that one because... So Delton wrapped, I know you guys have heard this on because previous episodes. Because you're oblivious. I'm oblivious. Uh, Delton took a bite out of, or somebody took a bite out of one of my Santa cookies. And I was like, Delton, did you do it? And he said, no, I didn't do it. And I'm like, someone buy my cookies. I live by myself with my husband. Like, it was Delton. You, you thought the cats did it. I was like, did the cats do it? <laughs> I'm so gullible. And then I, I get my coffee. Delton's like, let's go into the living room. I go into the living room. We sit down. We have some coffee. I'm like, I'm going to go refill my coffee. I go into the uh, kitchen and I come back and I notice a guitar is wrapped and hanging on the wall. I'm like, did when you, did I get there? Did, did you notice? What? Did you notice or did I have to say? No, I noticed it the second time. 
And then you started laughing at me. I was like, did you just put that up? I said, no, you've been, you've walked in here like 40 times. That's true. Which That's was right. true. I did notice it eventually. It just took me some time. So if Delton never has an affair, he's safe. Because <laughs> yeah. I won't notice shit. <laughs> That's true. You're very oblivious to everything. I'm very oblivious and very trusting. Yep. The cats ate it, not Delton. But yes, so I spoiled mine yesterday. I gave her two things yesterday, one thing today, because I bought her too many things. I'll take it. So that's where we are. But yes, that's our spoiling for gifts, which is a very goofy question, but we thought it was appropriate for the holiday season because it is the holiday season. Uh, Speaking of the holiday season, I don't know where I'm going with that. That doesn't make any sense. Speaking of the holiday (laughs) season, we do want to say thank you to Nick and Jennifer for sending us the goodie box of games and the little card of Jasper games. Yes, we do. We have Jennifer's little card game of Jasper that we need to play. Jasper goes to war. And then they sent us uh, uh, Valeria Card Kingdoms, which I have already busted out, sorted, and played with Brian because I really like that game. Uh, The second edition. And then also Hidden Leaders with the expansion, which I'm pretty sure is the version that I won at Gen Con. And I'm so excited because I really like that game. I feel like Not a lot of people like that game that we've played it with, but I really like that game. So thank you guys so much for the package. It was a very kind gift, which I know we texted you that, but still, it was very nice. Thank you. Uh, Speaking of Patreon backers. Yeah, there you go. Speaking of, (laughs) thank you for I told you I got a license to segue, man. You need, yeah, you need it. I need it. I need you to have that. You're my my DD. You're like the SpongeBob of licenses to segue. I just can't get it? Can't get it. That sounds right. Anyway, yes, thank you so much to our Patreon patrons that support us uh, at the level in which they get shouted out on the podcast. That is going to be Alan, Jennifer, and Cliff. I think that's all right. Uh, yes. Thank you, my, guys. My brain is like trying to catch up right now. I well, also had beer. It is uh, 10.52 on a school night. It's so. 10.52 on a Wednesday night, and I'm exhausted. After wrestling, after that adrenaline crash, it's yes. cold. But and- thank you so much for supporting at the level in which you get shouted out on the podcast. We also have a bunch of other Patreon patrons that support us. Thank you all so much. Uh, they will be popping up on the screen right in here. Everybody that gets shouted out for any video level. And I'm mentioning video level because if you support on Patreon at any level, you get a video version of the podcast, which is right now me wearing a Santa hat, Haley in her Beatles shirt. I'm in my Cody Rhodes American Nightmare Wrestling shirt. You also get to see my fly Aldi eyeshadow that I got that was originally four shades of brown today because I went crafty. And now it's all merged in just one shade of brown because I've been opening and closing my eyes for about the last 15 hours. It it is one shade of brown now. (laughs) (laughs) Out now, brown cow. It looked great this morning. Now it's just brown. But if you want to be like those great Patreon backers, you can head to patreon.com slash malthousegames, M-A-L-T, H-A-U-S games. Uh, There are multiple different levels you can support at any of them to get this video and all of our other podcast videos. We have two out currently. This will be the third. With many more to come, my friends. And hopefully many more to come in the future. And hopefully this is uh, a good thing. Which reminds me, if you're a Patreon backer and you're watching this video or have made it all the way through the video, uh, let us know what you think. Let us know if there's any big criticisms. I've been trying to put in pictures... As of the last episode for Virsendas Folk, I've been trying to put in some pictures of the games and stuff to help. Thanks for the feedback, Jennifer. Yes, it adds a little extra time to editing, but I do think it improves the product for you as a special thing for the Patreon support. Uh, if you want to reach out to us at all, you can always find us on social media at Malthouse Games, M-A-L-T-H-A-U-S Games. You can find Haley at S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-O-Y-G-E-K. That is at Squirrely Geek. Do you have to always say it like a dolphin? Yes. <laughs> 
God, you're just gonna shred our uh, dad. I'm turning you. I'm turning you off. Okay, Haley is now officially turned off. <laughs> I think this is appropriate. I actually can't hear myself. I think you turned yourself off, Del. I turned myself off. <laughs> now Haley's turned off. I turned myself off. Thank you very much, Mister. I'll have another, please. I will have some more. Okay, anyway, now that that's taken care of, Jesus, I'm an idiot. Yes, here, I'll turn you back up. Just don't be a jerk to all of our listeners. Uh, all right, we did it. Anyway, you can also, if there's a game you think we need to look at, a beer you want us to talk about, a topic that you think we need to cover, a question to answer, you can always send us an email, contact at malthousegames.com. I always forget, you can head to shop.malthousegames.com to find a t-shirt with our logo on it, a beer glass with our logo on it, or a fanny pack with our logo on it. Uh, That's basically all I've got right now because I do not have the design eye to actually make anything unique. It is all unique. Just like you, listeners. Okay. Uh, Am I forgetting anything? I feel like I am. Until next time. Okay. Have a good holiday season. Hopefully your Christmas was great. Your Hanukkah was great. Your Kwanzaa was great. What other holidays? Your Festivus was great. Am I missing one? Your solstice, your Yuletide, your New Year. All of it. Yes. Have a good, happy New Year. Uh, This is our last episode for 2022. We will see you in 2023 to start the sixth year. Yes. Year six of the Malt House Games podcast. Thanks for sticking with us for the last. Or is it, wait, is it year five? Because we started. No, six. Our first one, we went to Gen Con 50, which was in 2017. Our first episode dropped 2018 in January. 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. Five years. So this will be five. We'll be in our five year. We'll hit five years now of the podcast. I am always miscounting it. But yeah, so we will hit five years. So thank you so much for listening and tuning in and supporting us throughout all this time. Hopefully you're still enjoying the show. Hopefully we have not become stale to you as we have become stale to ourselves. And I'm just kidding. Uh, But yes, I guess that's everything. Have a good holiday season. Hopefully you did. Have a good happy new year. We'll see you next time. See you next year. Until next time, sit back, relax, grab a drink, play some games. We'll see you next year. Bye. Bye. Bye.